Father, I thank you uh, for your word. I pray that you make it come to life today. Um, I know you have a lot of good things that you want to bring into people's hearts today, Lord. And um, I pray that you bring deep things uh, to our souls and let the scriptures come to life, Lord, with power. Let your grace be upon us. In Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, you know, before I close that, I have one more thing. Lord, I, I know you know our hearts and where we are. You know our personal situation more, more than the preacher knows it. You know us. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us by your spirit, despite what I say and despite how I communicate, Lord, and inclusive of it too as well. Lord, um, change hearts and mold them, Lord, so there can be more peace and more grace, more power, more victory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, the preaching's not that bad. You don't have to sit and cry about it. I'm just kidding. You know, I, I, I was uh, going uh, through some of my sermon, you know, ideas, and I was talking to some of my uh, young uh, mentors, uh, people that I'm mentoring, um, some one-on-ones and small groups that I'm mentoring to, to be leaders and pastors and business leaders. I um, have a couple groups uh, that I work with, and uh I don't advertise them up here. I just really, I look for people who've committed themselves to God. And I know that that's what their life is. And then I asked them to to come follow us. And um, I was asking them what I should preach on and what their thoughts were and what they thought God was saying. And so we thought maybe this one topic, and then we went to another topic. We thought maybe this is what the Lord wants to say. And I was trying to get them to learn how to hear the Lord. And finally, we couldn't decide on which way to go. And so Here's my title of my sermon this week. It's called Overcoming Indecision. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, um, it, you know, and it's, it, it may seem like uh, just kind of a practical try to reach out to the people message, but it's really at the root of so many things. Uh, how many people lay awake um, in, at bed at night and in indecision? And they're doubting or they're about to make a bad decision and they're fearing it. Um, or, you know, they've weighed out the options and extrapolated and speculated and, you know, wondered and, you know, pre-calculated, you know, what might happen if I did this and what might happen if I do that. And some people do the same thing with God. You know, should I believe in God? And, you know, I went to that church and I wonder if God's there and I wonder if God even wants me to be, you know, anywhere. And I wonder if there is a God and people live in indecision all the time. They do it in their workplace. You know, companies have to take new directions to try to be profitable. They have to guess where emerging markets are. Technology companies have to do it by picking and deciding, you know, what right, you know, technologies are going to, you know, take over. Is it going to be VHS or beta? Just kidding. How many remember even that war at all? Like six of you. (laughs) So we know how old you are. Am I going to get a droid phone? I'm going to go Google. You know, I'm going to get the, you know, get the iPhone. You know, what's the best one? Should I get a big screen? Should I get a little screen? People do it in relationships, you know. Should I, you know, should I get married? Should I not get married? You know, should I go to that small group? You know, should I get involved? Should I make a commitment? You know, I was talking to our Jesus Feeds group, and they said that, you know, sometimes they'll have, you know, people that make a commitment. They, in the emotion, they go, yes, I'll help out, but then they have a total lack of commitment people don't follow through they make decisions but they but there's no backbone jesus says you know count the cost before you make the decision amen sometimes you need to just back up what you're going to do 
And, um, and, you know, I did one called Overcoming Anxiety. I think this one has a little bit different uh, emphasis on it in the text that I'm uh, going to refer to. But decision-making, let's look at it. I, I got the, I put on the first cartoon because I love this. I thought I was indecisive. Now I'm just not sure. <laughs> I mean, it just, that captures it, you know. And this one here, indecision, the road to flexibility, right? Just, and some people live like that. We'll just see what happens, you know, whatever happens. And, you know, there are more spontaneous, uh, creative kind of people. They're, they're jazz musicians, you know, something comes up and, you know, if you hit the wrong note, don't worry about it. Just hit it a couple times and make sure like you, you meant to hit it, right? Yeah, right? I meant to do that. I love this quote by Jimmy Buffett. He says, indecision may or may not be my problem. (laughs) It's like these are genuine quotes. I I think it is, but I'm not sure. And You know, I I prayed with several people after first service, too, uh, facing indecision, overcoming. And and I I promise you, you will get tools today that you will defeat indecision. God is very, very clear about indecision. Do you think God is indecisive? Do you think that's his character? Do you think God's up there going, I think I'm going to bless him, but I'm not really sure. But I will, but I'm not. I'm sure. I really want, well, you know, my, gosh, it's hard to be God. It's so confusing. I'm going to consult. Wait, there's no one to consult. I better consult myself, but that's not good. You know, it's like, wouldn't it be awful if God was like us? God says it the other way. And David says, who is like you, O Lord? My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You know, God knows every single thing. You know, every single Google search, he knows where it ends up. Oscar Levant, once I make up my mind, I'm full of indecision. Isn't that true? It's like, it's called buyer's remorse. People come in and they go, I'm going to buy that car. I know the Bible says don't have debt, but it's only 200 bucks. I can afford that. And the next thing you know, they got a $200 payment. But oh my gosh, I can't believe the tires went out so soon. The salesman told me it was in good shape. A new muffler? Are you kidding me? I knew I shouldn't have bought that car. Or they buy the car and then at the end, you know, they want to bring it back immediately. You know, or you buy a shirt, or you buy some clothes, you buy some whatever. You know, or you're in the relationship, you just, as soon as you make the decision. And Jody and I always laugh about it because someone will come to us after church and they'll go, I've been coming here for a couple months. We go, good. They go, I've decided this is where I'm going to be. It's just like, well, it was nice meeting you. Because now we know that once you make a decision, then all of a sudden you're going, oh my gosh, I'm like committed here. I'm stuck with these people. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I like that lesson. I don't know if I like that song. I don't know if I like that guitar. You know, and it's like, you know, the, the guy who, you know, he loves this girl, but he finally makes the commitment. He makes a decision. Oh, I love you. And then he goes, wait. It's going to be me and her the rest of my life? Are you kidding me? Are you sure I like her nose? Is that the haircut she should get? And pretty soon, it's like people second guess, indecision. And I love this quote. It says, the risk of a wrong decision is preferable to the terror of indecision. I wonder how much indecision cripples our culture. Just indecision or stupid decisions, right? 
with, with, no, with no backup or with no thought, with no counsel, with no guidance by God's no word or his voice. Um, you know, no thoughtfulness, no waiting time, nothing. It's just, let's go for it. Make the decision. I'm not saying those are wrong. I'm just saying is that once you make the decision, it's better to live with it and walk through it rather than live in indecision. I'm not sure what to do. I wonder how many sleepless nights have gone in indecision, fear, trepidation, speculation, etc. James 1.5, this is one of the texts I'm going to go from. Most of you know this scripture. If any of you lacks wisdom, which is what you need for decision making, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. The young businessman went to the older businessman seeking advice, and he said, hey, what's the secret of your success? The older man replied to him, he says, you know what it is? Making wise decisions. So the young guy said, so how can I learn to make wise decisions? The old man said to him, experience. But how do I get experience? The young man said to him. And he said, from making bad decisions. <laughs> how, how many, you, you're, you've been a little older in your years now, you're starting to look back and you're going, Man, all the stupid things I decided back then. Come on. All the stupid things I decided. Uh, you know, it, there's a guy who t- starts at the stage and he runs to the back of the wall, you know, the back of the room, and he runs face into the wall. And one guy looks at him and he goes, Wow, he really got hurt. I wonder if that hurts. So he gets on the stage and he runs all the way to the end and bashes his wall straight into the wall and he gets a broken nose. Then there's the other guy who looks at him and he goes, that is not a good decision. (laughs) I am not going to live like this. How many say amen? Amen. God would really uh, want us to be those that had wisdom. Another word for it could be knowledge appropriately applied, an aptly spoken word, a context, a contextual knowledge that gives me movement, that that makes me see the whole picture in a way that I understand a bigger thing that I would normally understand. There is man's wisdom, which God unfortunately does not respect. And then there is God's wisdom, which comes from on high. Let's go. We'll start this and we're going to start with the problem. Letter A. Indecision. Such a person is double-minded. Double-minded literally means two-spirited. He's got one spirit going in this direction and one going this one. He's got a sense of two loyalties. It's it's this way and, and it's that way. They're literally pulling across two different directions at the same time. It's a state of confusion. I'm not sure if I should be over here. I'm not sure if my loyalty should be over here. It's back and forth. It's, it's double-minded. And double-mindedness makes instability. It makes instability. It's, you're double-minded and unstable. In what? 
in all they do because once you start to live in indecision, it affects everything, right? How many know that it affects your sleep? And then when your sleep gets affected, it affects your job performance. And then it affects your work life. And then it affects your relationship life. One by one, it goes down that way. Indecision, letter B, causes instability. And I'll start with the first one. Unstable thought life. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. It's like, and it's like, and if you've ever been, how many have been into the deep ocean before? Like deep, deep ocean. Is it that intimidating? You see, when you look around and you go, oh my gosh, I am in the middle. I am hundreds of miles away from anywhere and the ocean's just picking you up like this. And then you're going down and you're going, man. And if, it's, if you've been in a smaller boat or like a fishing boat, it's, it's really got power over you. You're like that wave of the sea. The wind comes and it blows and it tosses you over. It's like the wind of the decision-making affects you this way. I think I'm going to go to school and I think I'm going to pursue this, but no, I'm not. Now I really like this girl and I think I want to get a relationship going. No, maybe I need to join YWAM and go on a mission. And no, maybe it's like double-minded, unstable. God has a killer answer for this. I'm not going to tell you yet. But the one, because I'm just going to go with the text, the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. I, I love what Gary said when he shared up here. He said he was going through a hard trial, and he used the word, and, and it stuck with me. He said, he said, I started to assume that I knew where God was taking me, right? You start asking God first, God, where should I go? And the next day, and after you've heard God a while, you just go, oh, I assume this is where he wants me to go. And I'm not saying that he was that flippant, but he's got in his own testimony. But that word assumption, okay, or speculation, you speculate. What is God going to do? If this happens, then this decision will be made. Huh, let me speculate on that. If I do this, then this will be the outcomes. And well, if I do this, then these will be the outcomes. It's, it's not faith. It's speculation. It's calculation. And there's nothing wrong with thinking things through. There's great Proverbs that talk about that. But when it gets you stuck in indecision, it's not where you need to go. Unstable thought life, unstable relationships. Amos 3 there says, do two walk, do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so. You know, people can't make a commitment. A lack of commitment, it creates instability. I think I'm part of it, but I think I'm not part of it. You know, I think I'm, I really want to be, I'm going to be committed to you, you know, your spouse, uh, but I don't know if I'm really going to be committed to you. And people go off and buy feelings. I feel it right now. And even after you hear a message, you go, man, I really feel it right now. And don't you think that God knows where your heart really is? I really do. Jody mentioned finances. We're not going to do another offering but or anything like that. But, but I think that some, God knows when you're just kind of trying things out. You're speculating. I'm, you know, maybe I'll try it out and see what happens. If nothing good happens, then you know, I'll turn it back. And, and it's so funny because I watch... You know, I'll watch a TV show or a movie or something like that. And when's the last time I've seen a, a movie where the preacher wasn't some idiot or thief? <laughs> right? Like, like that's really what God wants to do is just get a bunch of stuff out of you with some carefully crafted messages. Let me talk to you, brother. You know, God wants you to give. Woman, put down that vacuum cleaner and donate $200. 
listen, what about real life? What about God just saying he wants to be first in our decision making? First in consultation? First with our time? And God's saying, you make me first. I promise you I'll take care of the rest of your life. How many say amen? Listen, I think this indecision affects our kids. We make decisions with our kids. This is how it's going to be in our house from now on. And your kids go, okay, all right. And the next thing you know, you do something different. Now it's like this. I know I told you no, and then I'm going to do that, but I don't follow through. Why? Because I'm indecisive. That's how you should be. Follow my example. And finally, the kids just say, I'm just going to do my own way what's best because I can't count on you. You know, you're not an anchor. You're not a foundation. You're not something I can rely on. How many like to turn that around? Nobody? Because when you want to turn it around, you can admit that you do it. How many admit that you might be not the greatest example sometimes? How many know others that are worse examples? Just point at them. People have indecision cause instability. The third one here is it makes an unstable walk with God. This is like the most obvious scripture in the Bible. That person who's unstable, who's indecisive, who's a doubter, that person should not expect. Why don't they expect anything? Because they don't believe that God's going to come through. And and, uh, people have formal beliefs that they have, a formal theology, what they believe about God. And you'll sit with them and they'll go, you'll say, do you believe in God? And they go, yes. Can you trust God? And they go, yes. Can you put him first in your life? Oh, yes. They run into the first trial. Where's God? What's going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen. It's like their functional belief is way different than their formal belief. Their their formal belief has all the right checklist. But can I tell you, God doesn't work with the checklist. He works with you. He knows what you really believe. You know, if you would ask me, do I believe God's going to come through when I first became a Christian? I go, yes, of course, I've just read it. But then the first trial, I turned to myself, I turned to my flesh, I turned to everything else because I didn't really believe. And I love the guy in the New Testament in the Gospels who says to Jesus, Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Right? And, and I think I was praying with someone afterwards, after church, and I got permission to share this, but, you know, they, they, they were saying, man, I'm afraid. You know? And no, that's not what they said. They said, I'm overcoming the fear. And I love, it's like when you talk to guys who are struggling with lust right now, and they go, man, I'm struggling. They don't say, I'm struggling with lust. What are you doing? I'm lusting after women, and I shouldn't. They say, I'm really starting to overcome it. Well, why are you talking to me about it? (laughs) You're already overcoming it. Sometimes you just got to own where you are. Amen? And you just say, just say it like this, just as an example. You don't have to admit this, but just say, I'm doubting. Just say it. Say, I'm doubting. Sometimes you're doubting stuff. Isn't that true? Sometimes you're not sure what the right decision. Just say, I don't know what to do. Right? It's a transparency with God. Understanding. But the one who doubts, look what he says about him. He shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Of course not. He's doubting. Why would he be expecting anything? Hebrews 11.6 says it this way. Without faith, say it with me. Say, 
It is impossible. Uh, one more time, because you've got to really get this. It is impossible. impossible. W- without believing, without trusting, it's that word pistis, pistuin, without the belief, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must, they must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is such a simple statement. It's like you've got to believe that he exists. It's impossible to try to please him or, or act like you're seeking him because you must believe him. And you must believe that he rewards. It's like he exists and he rewards. Do I hear amen? One more time. He exists and he rewards. Amen. This is what God is like. You can believe me. And as a young Christian, I would get so excited. I'd, I'd listen to a message like this and I'd go, yes, I believe. And I, I believed all the way to the restaurant. And as soon as I got there, you know, then when the bill came and I go, what? And it's like your belief starts to go down and and I'd go down and I start to doubt and a trial would come, a kid would get hurt or something would happen and then I start doubting and then things would start to go well and I start believing because things are going well and the circumstances are better now and God's must be on my side. This is really good, but oh my gosh, there's a trial going on and where is God and what's going on and I can't believe it. And I thought his word was true, but yes, it is. And look, at situations turning around. And God is so good. And it was just like this. And, and, and Jody would go, you're addicted to worry, Eric. You're like a worry addict. And you know how I knew it was true? Because I'd worry about something, and I'd be totally indecisive, so I couldn't move ahead in any career. I couldn't move ahead in any calling, because I'd be constantly doubting. And then, you know, it's like, as soon as I would... Something would go well, I'd go down. And the Lord, remember, told me this. Oh, one more thing. I would be worrying, and then God would get rid of that thing that I was worrying about. Like, he'd just solve it. I'd, I'd go, Lord, help me with this thing, and it'd be gone. Then I'd look for the next thing to worry for. Okay, Lord, you took that care, and that kid's fine, and now that's going very well. I need to worry about something else. What else? How many have lived like this before? You go from one thing to the next thing. And I remember the Lord so clearly. It was a deliverance. He said, Eric, you don't need to go like this. You can stay here. And it was kind of like, like, no, I can't. It's like my job to worry, isn't it? Isn't this my calling? No one else is worrying about it. I need to worry about it. And you get surrounded by people who are worrying. Oh my gosh, this is what's going on. I'm worried. God's got this. I found out that I can actually be an anchor in a tree in a world filled with tossing waves that I could find the calm in the storm. Do I hear an amen? Amen. That I can trust God, that I can walk out on the water, that I can keep my eyes fixed on him. Go to letter B. The last one, indecision causes instability. It kind of reminds me of the picture of Lot's wife. When God's bringing destruction, he delivered you out of a terrible situation. 
And as Lot's wife is going over the mountain and seeing the destruction, the Bible said that she just turns around to look. It's like, what's happening with it? Looking back in the past, and it's like, and she all of a sudden is really reduced to a pillar of salt, whether by flame or by God. It's, it's a complete destruction. And Jesus says, you put your hand to the plow, and you start to work in the kingdom. He's trying to give a farming analogy of their day-to-day work. This is not some extraordinary example. It's like everybody knows what farming is. Everybody's taking care of their own provision. But you you get to work and you get ready to do it. You wrote your mission statement out. The purpose is going. You're you're aligned with the kingdom and you're moving forward. And the minute you start plowing, you turn back. Maybe I shouldn't. People do this. You know, some of you have come to church and you've come to Christ and you've experienced the power of God. And you're still wondering if you should turn back to your old belief system. Let me encourage you. There's a reason you left it. Because you found the power of God. Now pursue this God that has encountered you. How many say amen? Amen. Elijah was a prophet of the Old Testament. And he was filled with the Spirit of God. And the children of Israel were turning to Ahaz and his queen Jezebel. And they were turning to these prophets of Baal who were saying that they were from God, and look at the similar things that we have, and it's really similar, and, and Elijah come and he's going, no, it's not God. It's a small g God. It's, these are false prophets. They won't help you. And people will go, I'm not sure which one to go through. And, he, and Elijah comes to them, and here's, uh, they're unable to make a commitment. They're unable to make a decision. They're living in indecision. Which one? And he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? It's just like, I love it, Elijah. Stop living in indecision. In the next 24 hours, you'll get to decide. And he says, if the Lord is God, follow him. If your Baal is God, follow him. And look what he says, and he loves this. He says, you call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. And I've talked to people where they go, well, I'm going to keep pursuing this. And I said, okay, well, when you're done with that, then come find Christ. Because I can tell you're searching. I'm not searching. I have found God. How many say amen? amen? He says, you call the name of your God. I'll call the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Fire is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Make it practical to your own life. Where the Holy Spirit's life brings change. He puts these two altars there. And one, he makes it totally conducive to, to build a, so that it can be lit on fire. And then he takes his own one and he, well, let's go to the first one. He takes theirs and they started calling on the name of Baal. They started turning to their answers. We don't need God. We need this Baal to be God. Baal. It's, it's the local God. And it says, from morning to noon, they started shouting, Baal, answer us. And I love it. There was no response. No one answered. And so they started dancing around the altar. That's what you do when their God doesn't show up. You just start dancing a little bit more. And it says, around the altar that they had made. They had put it together. And at noon, Elijah begins to taunt them. He goes, shout louder. Surely he is a God. And I love Elijah. And some people think this is bad, but I think it's funny. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. It's kind of like, can you see Elijah? They're yelling and screaming. It says they were cutting themselves. And if you've struggled with cutting, don't think you've pioneered some new thing. 
This is thousands of years old. The false God wants you to sacrifice yourself rather than turning to the sacrifice that has been done for you. There is total healing for you. You don't need to cut yourself to bring relief. The Spirit of God actually has feeling. He can get in you and make you feel peace. He can. He's emotional. God has, he can be grieved. He can be, God is alive. Can you imagine Eliza just looking around and going, hey, shout louder. You need to dance some more. Keep up your stuff. Do whatever. Get it done with. Finish what you're going to do to do all the things you want to do. Well, I'm going to follow business, and I'm going to follow this program of positive thinking, and then I'm going to get my business plan going. I'm going to make a lot of money. In the meantime, you don't think you're going to escape the incorruptibility of the world? Relationships tearing down, corruption in the heart and mind. You think you can escape that? And he's going, okay, turn to that. And they start cutting themselves and, you know, with their spears. And they shout louder. And then their blood started flowing because that's how it is. People who believe in their own works, they have to shed their own blood. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God that there's been shed, blood shed for my stead. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And I'll just summarize the end. Elijah comes in after he sees them, and they're worn out. They're spent. And that's what the world is. It'll, it'll make you just tired. Because they couldn't decide, is it here or is it there? Is it this or is it that? And he says, how longer are you going to waver between these two things? Until you trust God that even when you make a bad decision, he'll give you the right way. He'll bring the right direction. And Elijah takes his altar and he goes, put water on it. And he goes, they start dousing four buckets of water. And he goes, put more water on it. They do it again. Put water all around it. Yeah. And Dow said, is it totally impossible? Yeah. And then he says, God of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I could tell my kids, the God of Eric, their dad. Right? The God of the leaders and those people who have gone before me, that God who has demonstrated himself, lighted on fire. Lord, light me by your spirit on fire and demonstrate your goodness. And kaboom, that thing goes off. And it says they all just bowed down before it, except for the religious people. Why is it always the religious people that give problems to God? Seriously. Do you think Jesus was struggling with the stoners? Oh, look, it's the drunks again. Come on, you guys, stop drinking. When do you hear that? You guys need to stop drinking, stop going to the shrine prostitutes, stop doing that. All Jesus' debates are with the Pharisees. And he goes, you go all the way over and make converts and turn them into twice the son of hell as you are. Are you allowed to say that to the religious folk? Well, if you need to own it, you need to own it. All right, let me give you a man's best wisdom because this is, I went on a bunch of sites and I converged. I spent a couple hours on this, different sites of business leaders. And it's not that there's bad advice in here, but I'm going to tell you that God's advice is different. This is what they tell you. You want to solve decision? Just get this book. But you don't need the book. 
chapter one is, pre, is the one, and then you just write a couple stories around it, then two, and then you have the five steps, how to make decisions, put a nice cover on it with a guy going, <laughs> publish it, and you'll make a couple thousand bucks. You'll be on the iBookstore and an Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Or you can just buy the Bible and get one for free at the back of the church. Read the Proverbs, get this book of James, and actually listen to what it says. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer. Number one, pre-kit, commit to an amount of time in advance to decide. So I'm going to make this decision by tomorrow. Two, identify the objective of your decision. I want to do it so I can win and get the right result. Make sure that you think before you decide. Yeah, I better think about this before I decide. Pre-calculate the consequences. If I do A, then this is what's going to happen. If I do B, then that's going to happen. And if I do C, so... um, that's right, I'm going to do B. Have you ever, by the way, have you ever worked with God before? You go, God, well, there's A, and then there's B, and there's a C, and then someone else chimes in, there's D, and then God goes, yep, and then there's R. <laughs> and you go, where'd that come from? <laughs> it's, just, it's like, yeah, that was the right decision all the time. And then number five, you got to make the decision. That's, that's man's, the best synergy I can find of converging. There's more details in each one of those. Not bad, it's not bad. It's not like you're going, wow, this is, you know, horrid. But look what God says. Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom, that's counsel, will be kept safe. How many say amen? You trust in your own mind? And I'm not saying, well, I'm just going to have a blank mind and not think at all. God's saying, let, my, let your mind become the mind of Christ, a regenerated mind. That's not corrupted by the patterns of the world. Okay. How many are looking for answers? How many are ready to get to the answers? God answers. Are you? Okay. Put, put on the next slide. Indecision. Can everyone just say goodbye? This is, God does not, the Holy Spirit is not living indecision. I made them, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, I'll walk with you, but I won't walk with you. I'll make you born again, but not, then I'll make you unborn again, and then reborn and unborn and reborn and unborn. You know, I'll be with you, but maybe not. But yes, I will. But no, I won't. You know, indecision, goodbye. Number one, here is the number one thing you need for indecision. Number one, can everyone say, ask God, ask God for wisdom. Now I'm going to get more detailed, which is going to challenge your thinking. Ask God. Now, The voice of God is what people usually come with. It's just like, God spoke to me, and I know it. And I meet people all the time. Uh, God told me. Well, then that's it. It's like, it's done. God told you, and that's emphatic. When Paul himself is asking for counsel, he's looking to line it up with what his word is saying. He's looking up with what the people of God and his fellow leaders and elders are saying. He's converging in. The voice of God is guided. Can everyone say the word of God? The the word of God gives you counsel to the voice of God that you hear. And if you don't, if the word isn't, then you're learning. Maybe you have to go deeper in the word, or maybe there's something that you're not understanding. You can't just make a random thing. You know, you know, why did you kill that person and steal their money? I felt like God told me to. Okay, well, how can you blame someone for doing what God told you? Right? There's people all over the world thinking, doing stuff in the name of God. But it has to line up with his word. 
You know, we had one of our leaders and elders at our church who shared two of them that shared scripture. And by the way, how many are thankful for powerful women of God? And, and, and the thing is, is that they heard a word and they took this stretch of like, I might look like an idiot, but I'm going to stretch it because I think it's the Lord. And do you know what? All the things that they said as they were sharing it, I was thinking, that's Isaiah 42. Oh, that's Deuteronomy 6. Oh, that's, I was following the scriptures of what they were saying. That was scripture that they were sharing. Did you know that? That was scripture. It was scripture, but it was aptly spoken for our context. How many say amen? The voice of God has to correlate with the word of God. And it has, the voice of God has to correlate with the counsel of God. The, the counsel, God put people around you. I don't just wake up and tell Jody, guess what, what? God wants us to move to Switzerland. Amen. Yeah, amen. And why? Because I'm supposed to. And it's kind of like you get kind of confirmation with your spouse. You get confirmation with the other people. It's like, I'm supposed to get this new job and start this whole new career. Maybe, and maybe it is God. But don't you think you need to test the spirits and to test it against your own heart? Listen, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God and not just the voice of God, but the word of God and the counsel of God. Do I hear an amen? amen. This is so critical and derails so many people. It's just, it's, it's sad to watch. Number two, expect a generous dose of wisdom. I love this because he could have stated it so many ways. You should ask God, and then he says, who gives generously. Can you say that with me? Generously. Just one more time. Generously. God's not giving it like, okay, you need wisdom. How much do you need? Probably 2.3% wisdom. I'll give you 2.2 so you keep seeking me a little bit more. No, I give generously. Look at these conditions. I'll give it to you generously. And, and I'm always amazed. I, I need an answer, and I've asked God. We've seek God. I've sought counsel. I've sought his word, and he gives me way more than I need. I can conquer the situation because I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. And, and, and it's like he gives generously, and I love the second part, without finding fault. It's like, I'll give generously if you've been perfect for the last week. And every time you go to God, you go, God, help me. And he's going, well, <laughs> nah. And, and, and people will do that. They won't come to church and they'll perf- until they're perfect. Well, then you're never going to come. You're never going to come to church because you blew it yesterday. And if not yesterday, the day before. We come to God together because we can through the cross. Amen? It says, who gives generously. So ask God for wisdom and expect. Listen to what he says. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. You have to expect a generous dose of the answer. You know, and I, I gave the example of giving. When you make God first in your giving as a heart commitment for life, he knows it. But if he knows you're three, you're only going to be four weeks in it, he'll just let you fool yourself for four weeks, and then the fifth week he knows you're going to fade out, or fourth month, or fourth year, whatever it is, because of the fact that you don't trust God with your finances. That's the way it is. Or you're not trusting God with a decision. You're not trusting God with your job. Or you're not trusting God with your heart, or your time, or your emotions. When you ask, you must believe. So ask God for wisdom. Do I hear amen? 
Expect a generous dose. Do I hear amen? The third one, make the wise decision, and it will be given to you. The decision might be, like the world said, that you have to wait. But now you said you make the decision to make the decision in two weeks. It's like husbands and wives who fight all the time. Why fight all the time? Just make an appointment. Right? We disagree about this. That's why we'll talk on Thursday. So let's go have some fun. How many say amen? A little decision like this can change your whole marriage. Amen? Literally, Jody and I will look and go, okay, we'll talk about it on Friday? Okay. All right. Okay, we'll let it go. Because love's always going to hope. She's going to trust that I did the right thing in the right way, the best way I could. And I'm going to trust that she did too. Love always hopes and trusts. And I'm going to now, we can just totally have a good time. And I'll see you on Thursday. I'll see you on Friday. I'm going to say amen. Bosses, do this with your staff. And it, make the wise decision. It will be given to you. You'll be, we're almost closed here. It will be given to you. One more note. You expect, you ask God for wisdom. You expect not the answer. You expect a generous dose of wisdom. And then the third one, make the wise decision. You have the wisdom. Make the decision. And then number four, anticipate adjustments. Romans 8.28, this is such, everyone knows this scripture, but it's exactly for this. Because when you're wondering about your salvation, you know, where there's no more condemnation for those in Christ, Romans 8 says. Romans 7 precedes it with, why do I do what I don't want to do? Right? All that is leading up to this. It says, because we know that in all things, God works. Can you say God works? There's that word, you know, am I saved by works or grace? There's the word, ergon, works. God works. God works. How? For the good. Who? For those who love him. Who are those who love him? Those that are in relationship with him. How do they get in relationship with him? Romans 5 answered it already because God died for the ungodly and deposited his spirit, his love through the Holy Spirit into the hearts for those he has given. And it says, and they've been called. Where? You're not called to your own purpose anymore. You're called to his purpose. Do you want to live a more satisfying life? Get over your own purpose. Get a shovel, dig a hole out in the woods, dig it deep, write all your purposes down and throw it in the hole and bury it and then stand on top of that hole. And I'm not kidding. And open your arms and say, God, I want to be used for your purpose. And you lose your life. And I promise you, you will find it. You will. Take all the love ambitions and everything that you had and bury it there and say, now I just love unto God. And you will find more love in your hearts and more freedom. Because as my pastor says, when you get rid of everything, you can ask God for anything. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to pray. Father, I thank you that your word is true.
Lord, I waver because I feel like I'm in control of my life, so I get buried in indecision. If that's you, if I just, I describe me, if that's you, we just raise your hand to God and go, that's me, Lord. I get buried in indecision. frame our minds so that decision making can be effective so Lord and if that's you and you just you realized maybe you just caught yourself I haven't been asking God about anything or not the stuff that's bugging me you're trying to solve it solve it fix it speculate about it you know just you know come up with plan A and B but why don't you just stop and ask God his counsel his word his voice just say, Lord, that's me. Just raise your hand again. Just say, Lord, I needed to do that. I need to make that. I need to ask you for your counsel. And Father God, we thank you too that maybe you've made a decision and you kind of had buyer's remorse or maybe you made the wrong decision. That's okay. Now it's just time for repentance. It's just another step. Just go, I blew it. I think I made the wrong decision. That's a new decision. Agreeing that you made the wrong decision and turning to God. Or maybe you need to ask God again. Ask God again from his word. Ask God again by his voice. Ask God again by his counsel. Say, Lord, I need to redo it. My kids have seen me make mistakes. I thought I heard this. I thought I knew this, but I was wrong. Guess what? I didn't fall apart. The church didn't fall apart. Because the church has never focused around Eric. The church has always been focused around Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. He's the real leader. And Father, we thank you. And that we can surrender to you. Would you just do that right now? And to say, Lord, you are going to be my counsel. Because you're the high tower. That means you see over the whole waging of war against my soul. And Lord, you know where the paths of peace are and the green waters, Lord, the green fields and the still waters are. And you can lead me there and guide me. And it may be a business thing right now. It's okay if it's practical. You never have to apologize to talk to God about practical things. Just say, Lord, steer me in my business. I'm sick of it. Or you need some new purpose and you just haven't found it. And you're the person who plays all the angles. Shut the angles down, get the shovel, throw them in there. say now the only answer I want is yours just like the kings of old that came to the prophets and say what do we do now but now in these last days God has poured a spirit on all of us and we have his spirit fill us Lord thank you for your wisdom and your power we praise you Lord I praise you
just got a minute, a couple minutes over here, is you haven't put your confidence in Christ alone. You put your faith in religion. Maybe you visited this church and you go, I wonder if this church is right. Trust me, you go and dig in our church long enough and you'll find something we do stupid. It's not about our structure. It's not about a particular mission movement. What does the adventure do and what they stand for? It's about the God we point to who is Christ himself. The God is incarnate, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit who will dwell in you. Don't be of two minds. If you need to get it right today, just say, I want to put my hope in God alone. I want to put my hope in the trust that Christ died for my sins, for me, and that I'm forgiven and restored, and that his Spirit can now freely dwell in me. And I want his help, and I want his power, and I need him. If that's you, I'm going to have my eyes closed. I want you to just raise both hands to God right now, both of them just high, to say, Lord, I need your spirit. I need your forgiveness. I need your redemption. I need you, God. Reach. I reach out to you. You reached out to me. I didn't choose you, but you chose me.